0: Good morning, good morning Rabbi Utai. welcome to Breakfast on the Class. Breakfast on the Class is sponsored today by Danielle and Rafi Hasbani, dedicated in honor of Hadass and Matan Makaitan and their kids in celebration of the birth of their newborn baby boy. Mazaltov, Congratulations. As well, the Week of was sponsored by David Ash in honor of you and your substantial capacity to do good today and every day. And uh, as well, finally, uh, for Haim Rafael, Ben Farida, for Refua'a Shelema, Rafuata Nefesh Taguf, Bekarov Mamash, and Yaakov Israel Ben, Tamar Malka. We'd like to welcome also some uh, listeners uh, who have joined us in person, live, for breakfast in the class. Hazaku um, Baruch. People did not realize that this is actually... I don't know how. But people did, somehow did not realize... That breakfast in the class happens every day in live with people at, at it. So, yeah, Baruch Hashem. Uh, tickets, online, right? tickets online, exactly. At Ticketmaster and at uh, StubHub. Okay. Uh, by the way, the guy outside scalping tickets is a sketch. Don't buy from him. Okay. The Pasuk tells us, The Pasuk tells The Kadosh Baruch tells the Jewish people, You're going to get to Eretz Israel, and I want you to know, I'm going to put tzara'at on the door, on the walls of the house of your inheritances. So you're going to get to Eretz Israel. you're going to find a beautiful new house on street easy, you're going to move into this house, you're going to think it's fantastic, you're going to check the contract, the contract says sale as is. But you didn't realize that sale as is includes tzara'at. You get to the house, big splotch on the wall. Shema Yisrael. Hashem says, I don't want you to not know. I'm telling you ahead of time. There's going to be tzaraat on the walls of your house. Let's read the words of Rashi to see why HaKadosh Baruch Hu is not just doomsday predictioning. B'Sorah <laughs> Hashem was giving them a B'Sorah. News. advance warning. baim <laughs> That they're going to have these difficulties. shehitminu. <laughs> why? Because Emoryim, the people who were the Emorim, the people from the lived in that land, they hid matmoniot shel zahav, treasures of gold, bikirot batehem, in the walls of the homes. All the 40 years that the Jewish people were in the desert. nega and through the nega, what happened? the house gets knocked down, and the Jewish new resident would come and chop it down and take out these treasures. Baruch Hu My friends, I want to share with you the words of Rabbi Ruven Collinstein. He says something unbelievable. He teaches, you know, that first thing first, b'sorah <clears throat> hilahem The first thing HaKadosh Baruch Hu tells the Jewish people is, I want you to understand... You're going to have negaim. There's going to be tzaraat. You're going to have issues. You're going to have challenges. You're going to have problems. Now, Rabbutai, it's important to understand the context of this conversation. You know, we always talk about the Jewish people's travels through the desert, and we think about them in the context of a nation traveling through the desert. But actually, our rabbis saw over here a much larger and wider perspective than that. As we know, ma'aseh avot... Siman lebanim, the deeds of our fathers, siman, it's a sign for the children. I know, Murray, you were very into that and you learned the whole peshat and spoke about it. Siman lebanim means what the parents plant, the children reap. What the parents are, the children become. So therefore, the journey in the desert is not only a distance that needed to be, to be traversed from Egypt to Eretz Israel, but rather... That journey is representative, it is demonstrative of the journey that a Jewish person takes through his lifetime. Eretz Israel is the promised land, but it's also the promised land. If you're listening on live, or if you're listening on audio, I just gave air quotes. It's also the promised land, the place you're trying to get to. The perfection that you seek, the goals that you're moving towards. So this idea that a person in moving from Misraim, which our rabbis compared to the birth of the people, they were in the womb, they emerged from Mitzrayim as a nation, they went through the desert. These, this, um, these trials and tribulations of the Midbar represent arriving in the promised land, arriving at some form of perfection called Eretz Israel, the land of Israel. My friends, now in much sharper focus, we understand the first part of what Rashi is telling us. Bissorah <speaking in> hilahem. <Hebrew> Hashem told them, the promised land also has problems. I need you to hear that now. So you have a person, who's a single guy, he feels lonely, he's dating, he's, he's, all of his sights are set on finding a girl and getting married. <speaking in> Rohi. <Hebrew> The promised land also has problems. And sometimes more problems than you had before. Right? Marriage is not going to fix them. You hear that, Nathanael? Marriage is not going to fix them. You're going to get to the promised land. <laughs> Let the record show that my son-in-law said that marriage fixed his problems. Anything you say it can and will be held against you in the court of law. <laughs> Do you understand, my friends? Do you understand this? You no, know, the guy is praying to Hashem, please give me the job. You get the job, you have the bad boss. You become the boss, you have the bad employee. This is how it works. B'sorah hi lachem. Everyone thinks, I'm going to leave my firm, I'm going to open my own. Then I won't have any problems. They open their new firm, what happens? Now they need workers. The difference is only whether the problem was above you, below you, next to, next to you. But problems you're always going to have. I love the first part of this lesson. You have a little bit of news. I'm telling you, your promised land, your beautiful new dream home in Eretz Yisrael. Hazak ubaruch, misheberach shanega'im baim alehem. You're gonna get to Eretz Achuzatchem ve'natati negat sarat I always love the idea that sarat is made up of two words. Tsar et. What does tsar mean in Hebrew? Narrow. That's with an ain. Tzadiresh means narrow. It's a narrow bridge. Tsarat is tsar Et It is a time, a season, a, a moment in your life that you go through in every moment it's narrow there's a there's a narrowness a squeeze a pressure of that particular moment there's a squeeze in marriage there's a squeeze with children there's a squeeze with work there's a squeeze with learning torah you can't find the right chavruta you do find the right chavruta but the yeshiva is not good you like you finally get a good partner now you're in a, you move up a shiur 12th grade you don't like the rabbi you know you don't connect to him you find a great rabbi, you have a rubbish chavruta. You finally you have a good chavruta, they move your seat in tefillah. The guy next to you, he prays out loud, he drives you majnun. A life without problems is not a life. You're coasting, you're doing and achieving nothing. However, this idea, this problem-centric universe which is the squeeze of the time that Hashem says I promise you you're always going to have it's not as sad or as bleak or as uh, gloomy as one might expect and that's the second part of this lesson for 40 years in the desert the Emorim knew the Jews are coming. They'll be coming around Mount Sinai when they come. And they're going to come sweep in here. And just like they devastated the Egyptians, and just like they defeated the Amalekites, and just like they defeated Sichon and Og, they beat everybody. They're going to come and get us. We better start hiding. What does it say in Az Yashir? Namogu <laughs> all the people in Canaan they started trembling in their boots so the Emirates knew that this is coming what are they going to do with all their gold and silver they hide it in the walls Hashem puts Zarat on the walls of the house they find it of hold on one second I don't understand let's, let's just review the laws of Tzarat of Batim for a minute the laws of Zarat on the house guy comes to the house he sees there's a splotch on the wall what does he need to do? Call the Cohen, 1-800, dial the Cohen. Calls the Cohen. the Cohen comes up, two seconds later, he says, um, did you put in the code, Aharon and his sons, 15% off, 15% off, he comes in, the guy says, no problem, he goes, before I look at the house, he goes, please, you need to repair it, take everything out of the house. What do you mean everything? Everything. Sh'tabach uh, soon I'm going to be moving. There's few things in life that are more stressful than moving. You call the guy, five stars on Google, the problem is you don't know, he gets one star on Bing, right? Yeah, there's all these different people, different telling you different experiences. You have to move everything out of the house, because everything, if the house is Sarat, everything's gonna become tameh. So the guy literally needs to move everything. The mover says, no problem. Where are you moving to? The guy says, my front lawn, the sidewalk. He has nowhere to move it. So he moves everything in the house, his couches, his beds, his pots, his pants, his clothes, everything comes out of the house onto the front lawn of the house. Which your Yes? Which What does it mean? A headache? Everything out of the house. Now the Kohen says, okay, I see the nega. The guy says, okay, so is it good? The Kohen says, right. That's not how it works. You do your job, I do mine. What, what happens now? He says, now we close the house for one week. The guy says, but where do I live? Go ahead and says, I'm so sorry, that's not my lane. <laughs> if you want to have a cousin, he's starting a new app called Airbnb. Uh, it's, uh, you know, they help you find houses. Tzara'at, BNB, no problem, they get you, up. The guy says, I can't afford it. I don't know, maybe the guy has to put three kids by that one, two kids over here. Could you imagine what carpool was like the next morning? He, he divvies up his kids to all different places. A week goes by, he's counting the days, finally he gets there, the Kohen says, I'm, it's not conclusive yet, we need another seven days. At that point, the Kohen could tell him, you know what, we, it's, uh, uh, it's, it's only this thing, we take out, cut out this piece, we pull out these bricks, we're going to see if it spreads, he has to do construction now. Comes back after another week, It spread, I'm really sorry. What do we need to do? Knock down the whole house, The guy has no home. His furniture is still on the sidewalk covered with plastic. His kids are still living by other people's house. Now he don't even know how long he's going to get home. Down to the foundation of the building, he has to take down the house. And then, opens the wall, and what does he find? Treasure of gold and silver and diamonds. asks rev and kylenstein a powerful question did god never hear of the flipping lotto <laughs> let me get a scratch off like what let me stay at home have my stuff in not farm my kids out not knock down my house why can't you just give me the money yes, hashem doesn't have Zell? he needs to give you a thing kick you out of the house Two weeks, no kids. Thing till finally you got. What did you do this for? Why do I have to come this way? So he points us towards the Gemara and the, the Gemara Yerushalmi and Horayot. The Gemara gives a story with one of the Amoraim's his name was Abayudan. You might have heard his song. Yudan, Yudan. Okay, Abayudan. Abayudan has a beautiful story. He was a tremendous Ashir, who was a massive Bal Tzedaka, a lot of money, but he was very kind and he was very giving. So the people knew that whenever you come to Abayudan's town, what would they do? They'd go first to Abayudan, collect from him. Time goes by, Abayudan, the wheel of fortune turns, Abayudan loses all of his money. So bad does it get, my friends, that the Ba'ale tzedakah, they're collecting money, they, it's lo lahem, it's not nice. This guy gave every year, he gives you five, he doesn't have a penny to his name now. They know how hard it is for him to not give tzedakah. They would just avoid him. So one day, there's two ba'ale tzedakah in town, every very worthy cause, everyone's helping them out, and they're avoiding Abayudan wherever they go. Abayudan finds out, and he tracks them down in the city. Listen to this man. He says, "I make you. I make you swear that you'll tell me what it is that you're collecting for? I make you swear that you tell me what, what condition, what point? What is, what's your cause? What are you collecting money for? Amrulu, they said to him, for the wedding of, a, of an orphan, of two orphans. He goes back to his wife. He says, honey. I can't not give them money. I feel terrible. What should we do? Listen to this Eshet Amra lo his wife said to him, We have one field left. Go sell half of our last remaining field. And give the half of the field that we have, give it to the Gaba that's what the wife said. You know, sometimes you have a husband, a big Baal tzedakah. Everyone's like, wow, he's so generous, he's so amazing. In the shul, everyone is singing his praises. He gets home, the wife says, I heard you gave another $10,000 tzedakah. Did we not give enough yet? Sky might not be married to the right person. <laughs> or maybe Hashem sent him the right woman to make sure he don't go penniless. I don't know. <laughs> Abayudan was married he was married exactly to the same person he didn't know what to do that means that he was not considering selling the field she tells him we've got one field left sell half of it and with that money let's marry off this Yatom Vietoma. Kach he sells the field splits it in half gives half the money to the Yatom V'Yetoma the next morning Abayudan goes out to this half a field that he has left Plow the field. In middle of the plowing, his his uh, cow, his ox, whatever, it stumbles on something hard on the ground, and it breaks its leg. So he's here, sitting here. (laughs) I mean, just I want to get into Abayudan sandals for a minute. Yeah. The guy has nothing. He sells half his field. I'm imagining he's plowing the fields, feeling pretty good about himself. Right? He has to keep turning the the plow because the field is not half the size, right? Now his cow hits a hard thing, breaks its leg. Now when you break a leg, what do you do? You fix it. When a cow or a horse breaks a leg, what do they do? Kill it. You kill it. Hazit, the guy has nothing. And now his cow is breaking his leg and now he's got to get rid of the cow. When he goes down to see what it is that happened to his his cow's leg, he sees the the object that it tripped upon, and he realizes that there's something stuck under the ground. And the Gemara in Yerushalmi says he unearths a matmon, a treasure that made him richer than he was when he was at his richest in the half a field that was remaining after he sold the other half a field. The question, my friends, that we asked before is the same question on this Gemara. Why in the world did HaKadosh Baruch Hu need to give this money to Abayudan, have him sell it off the field, plow the thing, have the cow break its leg, have the cow, you know, now he needs to put down the cow, the ox. Let him win the lottery. Hazit. Let him get a good business deal. You know, let him, uh, let, him, let him introduce two people for a real estate deal. Get 1% that Hashem has to kill cows for? The answer, my friends, is very powerful. The answer is that God plants treasures in every person's life. Treasures that are immense, that are valuable, that are beautiful. But the challenge that HaKadosh Baruch Hu sends you is to reveal whether you are worthy of the treasure that God planted in your life. And now let's see. Does the cow break its leg and he curses at God? He's not Raui to get the treasure. Is the tzarat on the wall of the house and the person speaks lashon Arab about Eretz Israel? Hashem says, oh, oh, that's how it is? You're angry, you're bitter, you're negative, no problem. I'll make sure that the tzara'at does not spread. And that the only thing you take out of your house is these two bricks. And three bricks over, two bricks down, where the wall is full of gold and silver and diamonds, you won't touch. And it will be in your house for the rest of your life until either a child is relevant or you sell the house and someone who buys it, he merits that treasure. My friends, you understand this. There are treasures buried in our homes, in our children, in our wives, in ourselves. And the challenges that God is giving us, those are not challenges, those are keys. But sometimes we're so busy throwing these keys away, my friends, that when the time comes to unlock treasure beyond our wildest imagination, we have no access to it. You yelled. You complained. Hashem says, "No problem. I'm going to heal you. I'm going to take away the tzarat. I'm going to se- the ani is bothering you. I'm going to send the ani away." Abayudan, if he's not chasing down the poor guy, if he doesn't come to his wife, if his wife doesn't suggest that they sell after field, if he doesn't go along with the plan, if he doesn't control himself, when the cow breaks its leg, he doesn't find anything, and he remains with half a field, with bitterness, with anxiety, with... My son Yitzhak yesterday asked me a question. we were in the middle of Kaddish. I'm saying, Amen, Yehosh, Merabah, Mivarach, Le'alam. My son turns to me after Kaddish and he says, you know, my Rebbe in school, he taught me that when a person says, Amen, Yesh Merabah, with all of his koach, Kor'in, lo, they rip up Gizar, or his evil decrees, they rip him up. Even if he has evil decrees for his whole life, they rip him up. His rabbi was quoting a Gemara, Machlok if it means all of his strength, if he says, Yemei as loud as he can, or with as much kavanah as he can. But either way, Kor'in lo, they rip up his gezardin. My son asked, I don't understand. And listen to the child to the question of a pure child. He says, if everything that Hashem does is for the good, that means that the gazar the bad thing that's supposed to happen to you is also for the good. So why would we want Hashem to rip up something that's good for you? Powerful question. So he offered an answer. I couldn't answer him on the spot because he was still praying. Gave him a minute to think about it. And he answered the question that he himself asked. He said, maybe, maybe he said, the gizardine that a person was supposed to get was trying to get him to pray. And if it was trying to get him to pray, then when he prays, then it's not necessary anymore. So it was good because it got him to pray. Brilliant answer. But I shared with him maybe a little bit of a different perspective. I said that it's true that that was the and that was the best thing for him. Before he said, Before he looked at his life with its Gizre Deen with all of its negative decrees and what did he say about that life? You know if they're ripping up bad decrees it means that there's bad decrees to rip up that means he's living with bad decrees and what was his refrain and what did he say with all of his strength not holding anything back either in Kavana or in volume God's great name should be blessed forever and ever if that's what he says with, with bad gezerot in his life, then the person that responds that way, what's there for him, these bad gezerot, they no longer refer to this person. He's now a different person. The challenges that come your way are keys. And God says, I want to give you great things. I don't only want to rip up bad decrees, I want to write the most magnificent ones. But in order to do so, I need to see how you react. To the difficult ones which boss is going to give you a raise before they set you tasks to complete at work they give you a job you say you know i want more responsibility i want to get a i want a raise i want a new title what does the boss say you know what i'm going to give you this case no one could crack it no one could get the money from this guy if you get the money from this guy then we'll have a conversation two ways of looking at this The guy looks at the court case case, and he says, I'm going to do it, I want the raise. That's the guy who came in, asked for the raise and the response got the case. He attacks the case, he stays up nights trying to think of different ways to legally corner the guy, different conversations, different ways to convince him, fantastic, he's energized. What if the boss didn't tell him I'm giving you a raise? He just walked into his office and he put the case on the guy's desk. The guy looks at the case, he's like Shema Israel, This is the case he gave me. No one could solve this case. The boss hates me. He hates my guts. He wants to see me fail. He's trying to fire me. I may as well just quit now. What's the difference between the first guy and the second guy? The first guy knows that that difficult case is there so that he can get a raise. The second guy thinks that difficult case is because his boss hates him. they're coming that's what life is now the question is how do you want to deal with that nega do you see in it an opportunity to uncover unbelievable things if you do you attack it you fight it you use your creativity your energy your kavana, your emotion everything that you have at your disposal to be able to dispense with, to do your best job with that thing. And you could even, by the way, pray to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. whatever you do is the best thing for me, but Hashem, please, it's a little bit difficult, I'm trying my best. That's not a person who's complaining, that's a person who's praying. You're supposed to do that. You're renewing, recreating, building on your relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. That's how it's supposed to work. Then you reveal treasures. The other person, no, oh, how do you do this to me? How come me every time, is it not enough? Could you go pick on someone else for a while? Hashem says, sure, no problem. I got you. Ay, 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 ay. I want to end with this. The Pasuk says that Abraham is tested with nine different tests. And what's the final test? The test of the Akedah. And in the opening language of the Akedah, HaKadosh Baruch Hu says to him, Kachna et Take please your son. What does that mean, take please? Kachna. El Chachamim explained that at the end of the story of the Akedah, Hakadosh Baruch Hu says to Abraham, Now I know ki yire Elokim that you have true fear of Heaven." That means that Abraham was going to be given a raise. His children were going to be given a raise. They were going to become the chosen nation. Hakadosh Baruch Hu says to Abraham, You did nine tests already. There's only this last one left. Kach na'ed binecha. Please, Dachilak, don't bow out now. Don't complain now. Don't kvetch now. Stand up now. And I love the response to the kachna. Please, Abraham saw it also as a final challenge. So what's Avraham's response? By He knows it's for the raise. He comes to work the next day earlier because of the challenge. More determined to be able to succeed. You know, my friends, he gives a mashal. Rav Ruben, he gives a beautiful mashal. He says, imagine as an example, a person looks at a tapestry. Beautiful photo. From the front, you see a sky, a big blue, beautiful sky, you know, and as it gets down towards the bottom, you start seeing green grass, mountains, and then further down on this tapestry, you see uh, a son and a father playing in the sand, building a sandcastle, you know, in front of this beautiful mountain, uh, in front of the, under the big blue sky. Beautiful, heartwarming, touching artistic, magnificent tapestry. If you turn the tapestry around, my friends, and you look at the top of the tapestry, at the top and the back, the same blue sky all the way across at the top is the same blue all the way across at the back of the tapestry. There's no knots. There's no confusion. There's no things, no threads that are tied. Just blue, blue, blue. Hazaku Baruch. But my friends, the uncomplicated... The area which has no knots, where there's no twisted threads. That's the most boring part of the picture. One color. Then it comes to the mountains, and they're primarily gray, dusted with a little bit of white, a little bit more complicated, a little bit more messy. A Couple knots here. You know, things coming out that don't look so clear because everything is reversed on the back as it is on the front. But then you get to the bottom and you have nuance. The the father's nose, the shadow against his face, the color of his eyes, his kippah, his hair, the tzitzit, the color of the clothing he's wearing. The more you get closer down to the bottom, the more complicated, the more messy, the more uh, ridiculously uh, um, uh, intertwined is the narrative. But then when you turn around the other side, that's where it's beautiful, that's where it's special, that's where you see the interaction of love between the husband and the child. Oftentimes, we are avoiding the messiness of life because we think that a life which is simple, which is easy, is a beautiful life. But the truth is, an easy, simple life is easy and simple, but it also is not rewarding. It also hasn't taken the challenges, it hasn't unlocked the treasures. I will never forget being on a special children's weekend with Camp Kef in London. And one of the fathers stood up and he said that when he finally had, after all of his children, he had a special needs child. He didn't know how he was gonna survive He didn't know how he would love the child. He didn't understand this child was defective, it was going to be difficult, it was going to ruin the life of his wife and children, everything was going to become that much more complicated, everything was going to be an issue, they could never go on vacation, they could barely afford anything. And he said with tears in his eyes, it was only after the child was born, joined our family, that I learned from this child what it meant to love a child to accept a child for who they are for what they are for what they're capable of the child not only brought me love and joy towards itself but it radically and dramatically changed the quality of my love for my wife for the rest of my children the best thing that ever happened to me and my family is that we had a difficult, complicated, messy, special child. To think what I would have missed out on, he said, if he did not have that child. My friends, messes are messy, but they are necessary. They are the keys with which we unlock the treasures of our life. The only thing that you need is the patience to endure the anxiety and the stress of the mess. A person should be asking themselves when they go through something like this, what key am I getting here? What treasure is waiting to be unlocked with this? Is it in my family life? Is it in my abudat Hashem? Is it in my mental and emotional health and stability? Is it in wealth? Is it in health? It's always a key to something. <speaking in Hebrew> right? Hashem is good. His mercy is unending. If He's giving you something, you can be sure that there's a reason. Baruch Adonai leolam. Amen.